Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit capital.com and start your trading journey today. One of the key issues in our region in Middle East and North Africa that entrepreneurs highlighted is the culture of shame, the shame from failure. So when you talk about startups and entrepreneurship in general, you need to try once, twice, three times, four times, ten times till you succeed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My guest is Sufyan Laisa. He is the head of the IFC, the International Finance Corporation in Dubai. The IFC is part of the World Bank Group and their mandate is to invest billions of dollars to enable the private sector in the world's emerging economies. I'm going to talk to Sufyan about the IFC's investments in the region. What do they look for, specifically when they deal with the startups and SMEs? We're also going to talk about how the IFC is working with companies to bridge the huge gender gap that we have in the region. So let's tune in. How are you, Sufyan? Good, Lulu. It's been a while. Yeah, it's Since- good. It's good to connect, uh, to reconnect with you, in fact. And you were one of the hundred promising startups that we selected with the World Economic Forum almost five years ago. Yes, that's so, right. And uh, You know, I was looking at the IFC website yesterday. I, f- I saw my photo. It's still, yeah. <laughs> it's still on there. Yeah. It, was nice, it was nice to see. Yeah. And in fact, we are very proud of this initiative because it helped a lot in terms of shaving our intervention in the Middle East and North Africa. I think we will have the opportunity to talk about this issue yes. in more details. I think let's start by giving the audience an overview of what the IFC does in in general. So IFC is the private sector arm of the World Bank Group. And we are mandated to support growth and development, including all development agendas and priorities, but from the private sector focus and and, and interventions. So we focus on emerging market and less developed countries, trying to unlock opportunities for the private sector using different instruments, whether advisory services, upstream work, or providing investments and funding to different level of companies and partners with the objectives of growth and job creation, as I as I mentioned. Okay, and so of course you've been here in the Middle East and our region for for quite some time now, and you're very active. So what what is your mandate specifically in the in the Middle East region? So we are extremely active in in the Middle East and North Africa, and our strategy in the region is aligned with the development challenges and and opportunities. And based on that, we focus a lot on the financial inclusions and supporting SMEs. We focus on addressing infrastructure gap. We focus on the digital part and innovation, including disruptive technology and supporting new startups. And we focus through our advisory intervention to create a conducive environment for doing business through the focus on the investment laws and regulations in many countries and even on creating a healthy and enabling environment for doing business for startups or even women. Here, uh, we launched the report in the UAE and the UAE was leading, for example, when it comes to women business and the law. But this is not only the story in, in the region. This is a region when it comes to GCC that's full of capital 
with the investment strategy and a plan to go internationally. So we work very closely with UAE-based companies and GCC, you know, partners and companies to take them to a major market. And they focus on also key development priorities that aligned with us as IFC, whether related to a climate business. I mentioned, for example, EMEA Power and the two projects in Egypt. Before we did with Mazda another wind project in Uzbekistan. We are active with many companies in UAE and GCC, like when it comes to food security. So really, there is also an important role for this region when it comes to investment cross-border investment in emerging market in developing countries, but also in addressing development challenges, whether a climate or basically disruptive technology or innovation or the issue of food food security around the world. Okay, so when we talk about cross-border growth, how do you support these companies across that chasm, basically, from a local business to a regional or to a global business? What is... So through funding, obviously, what are the channels? What other channels do you use? So when it comes to GCC and, and especially the UAE, we are talking about two levels. One level related to startups and, and disruptive technology. And often, uh, whether companies based here or outside, it's a cross-border. Like, you know, their activities goes beyond one country or one region. So yes. a de facto, if we support a company here, or a venture capital, we are supporting other countries, whether in the region or outside. I think you know this business very well and you know how, how, how they function. But when it comes to major companies and partners, what we do with them, mainly we do project finance, whether related to infrastructure or SMEs or other areas, manufacturing, agribusiness, food-related uh, food issues. So, for example, we invested $40 million in Al-Ghazar fund, it's a 500 million and mainly 500 million fund to invest in renewable energy and energy transitions in Egypt, North Africa and Central Asia. So this is an example of how we invest in companies that are based here, but with the objectives to invest and to develop outside you know, the UAE. Again, with Mazdar as a major partner for us, we invested in Uzbekistan $100 million to support the development of 500 wind facility in, in the country. So these are the type of businesses that we are doing in the UAE and what we call the cross-border investment. So is your investments mainly through funds or do you also invest directly in, in companies? So, so when it comes to, to disruptive technology and, and even for key sectors with multi-country focus, yes, we do investment like you know, through funds, but the majority of our investment is directly with these companies. So okay. the companies that I mentioned, we invested with them directly through project finance to support a project in X or Y country that fits into our development priorities and alignment also with the country needs and, and development challenges. And how, how does the uh, IFC behave as an investor, as an LP to these funds or as a direct investor with these companies? Do you behave similarly to a venture capital firm? Or do you have a different mandate or a different expectation? So we are a development finance institution. So, so our mandate is to, to support development in, in countries. This is our main objectives. And we invest only when we feel that there is an added value for us as IFC, whether to unlock opportunities, whether to create like no administration effect or the scalability issues 
or we feel that strongly that there is a development angle for that. Having said that, data and our assessment shows that there is a strong correlation between being financially sustainable or successful and also being uh, achieving good development outcomes or, or, or results. So they go side by side. When the company is successful, more or less will try to adopt good governance uh, policies and, and practices will be more sensitive and, and, and accommodating like issues related to ASG and adopting the best practices, as well as the gender issues. And these are really important criteria for us. So for us, when we invest in any project, we look at the social and environmental issues very carefully to ensure that they are adopted, implemented, as well as monitored. We look at the issue of gender. We look at the issue of corporate governance. So, so having you know a solid institution, or when it comes to, to startups or venture capital, promising with the right growth, with the right strategy, can go side by side with achieving the development agenda and also adopting the best practices that I mentioned. Okay. So, so building on that, let's talk a little bit about uh, startups. This is how you and I met in 2017, five years ago. Uh, the IFC had sponsored 100 startups from across the region. Uh, we were all invited to the World Economic Forum and the Dead Sea and Jordan. It was a great opportunity, actually, for us first to meet, meet other founders and also to interact with the IFC and other uh, stakeholders, governments, investors, etc. So... Can you talk a little bit more about the IFC's work with the startups specifically? Because yes, you invest, you know, a billion, $1.1 billion in a, in a big wind farm. So, so you, you work on a very scalable and, and large projects. What about the, uh, the, the struggling <laughs> entrepreneurs? <laughs> so we've been very active in this space to ensure that, you know, in terms of advisory services to government, in terms of building the capacity of incubators and accelerators, provide training and mentorship to entrepreneurs, but also targeting investment through different stages. I'm pleased to, you know, to announce that uh, given the focus and even the potential for entrepreneurship and startups in Middle East, in Africa, and Central Asia, including Pakistan and Afghanistan, that we launched a $225 million investment or, or, or a platform targeting startups and venture capital in, in the region. And for us, you know, capital is extremely important because often those entrepreneurs or, or startups lack the funding needed but also i think startups and and entrepreneurs in general in the region can be a source of addressing development challenges through innovation we have seen a lot of innovative ideas i mentioned trucker mm -hmm. there are many other ideas and startups around health around agribusiness around climate agenda around infrastructure around financial inclusion. So they could be like a source of innovative solution, basically like you know, for addressing development challenges. In addition to that, I think the experience that we had with several initiatives, including the 100 promising Arab startups with the World Economic Forum before, and later on, She Wins Arabia, version one, and now the second round that we are, we are doing with the World Government Summit, that often young entrepreneurs are lacking one mentorship, but also access to policymakers and showcasing 
you know, their work. So whenever you provide them with the platform to do that, that will help not only in shaping their thinking and their plans, but also will empower them because they feel they are provided with the opportunities to build their capacity, but also to access to the people who can influence the market and the business as well as the policy that affect, you know, their businesses. Not only that, even before COVID-19, it was estimated that Middle East and North Africa need 300 million jobs between 2020 to 2050, you know, to just like, you know, to maintain a low unemployment rate, not even to address the whole mm. unemployment or the new people who come to the labor market, where these jobs will come yes. from. So <laughs> if, we, if we look around and we think about the development challenges, as well as the situation, the budget situation in these countries, debt to GDP, you know, it's very high in many countries. Often, like, you know, youth and countries used public sector as informal social safety net. So you graduate, you get the job in the public sector. This is not a strong or even an option anymore. So it will come from opening the space for a private sector, doing more investment in these countries through the flow of FDI. And this is what we are trying to do as IFC. But also it comes through disruptive the technology and startups. You need new companies, new ideas to emerge and to be developed, to be provided with the capital. So these companies can grow, can employ more, can contribute to growth, but also can empower young male and female in these societies. Yeah. And this is, again, what we as IFC is trying to do through working with companies, funds in the UAE, in GCC, and the broader Middle East and North Africa. I think uh, there are seven unicorns in the in the region. I saw a report by, uh, I think, SVC, Saudi Venture Capital, if I'm not mistaken, that they want to try to increase that to, I think, 40 by 2030. There is a lot that can be done for a region of whatever 400 million, even if you look at the broader region, I think you're talking about maybe 600 million, right? The regions that you Correct. work at here. So... I think the gap is still really wide and really big. Where do you see, uh, Sofian, the funding gap, in your opinion? I run a syndicate of angel investors, and you always hear that there is a need for this this kind of like high-risk you know, seed funding. But then also I know from my own experience with Nabish and like colleagues of mine that have started companies back in you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, Series A was, you know, so basically that next check was an issue I know that, for example, for later stage, some entrepreneurs are going abroad now, which I think is, is a smart strategy because they're able to f- fundraise from global funds abroad. Correct. So is it across the board or or do you, from, from where you sit, like where, where do you see the, the, the gap or the pain point? So uh, numbers can tell us the story. Uh-huh. So uh, um, out of 643, I think, million uh, dollar, uh, billion dollar, Basically, in the venture capital space globally, only 2% went to, in terms of funding, to Middle East, North Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Central Asia. So definitely, given the development needs, that these regions are dominated by youth, and I think with a very dynamic youth, uh, especially when it comes to Middle East and North Africa, that there is mismatch between, you know, funding and between opportunities. And by the way, it's it's much better now, right? Like definitely, if we talked 10 years ago, that number wasn't even, I think... Definitely, it's much better and we will have the opportunity to talk about successful, 
you know, stories and, and even numbers. In the UAE here, for example, it's a record year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I think up to date into in 2022, there is like around 643 million uh, investment in startups, which represent uh, almost 36% of the funding in Middle East and North Africa. And one third is related to, to fintech, mm-hmm. So which in our view, also related to financial inclusion, because mm-hmm. it can be as a way to increase, you know, or to provide access to finance for underserved, uh, you know, communities through uh, through innovation. So there is a lot of achievements in this space. And this is why we are trying to seize the opportunities and to build on the successful models, but also to try to address these challenges. So when we talk about the gaps, I think there are different levels you know, of interventions. And this is why we as IFC, we are adopting more comprehensive approach mm-hmm. to deal with like you no know, entrepreneurship and supporting startups, yeah. whether through at the policy and advisory level with governments and even with the private sector, whether through investing and supporting incubator and accelerator so we can not only provide the mentorship and training, but also investing yes. indirectly in, in, in early stage startups or investing directly for promising startups, you know, already advanced in terms of their growth strategy, in terms of their plans, and also, you know, investing with funds and and venture capital that are targeting startups and SMEs. Okay, let's take a quick break. Thank you. What gives you the most pleasure in this role? Because you you work on so many high-impact projects. You talk to government leaders, business leaders, what gives you the most uh, the most pleasure out of this? So, uh, so my job is uh, is a quite interesting, but but also challenging. And and I think for me there are a lot of basically interesting things that I do and and we do as as IFC. But personally, yes. uh, what I enjoy when I see the impact of our work, mm-hmm. whether at the community level or or even in terms of get, coming out with innovative solutions or meeting with young people and clients uh, in in the region who who really come with the great ideas and being very passionate about the work that they are doing, like I do. Okay, so let's talk about She Wins Arabia and inclusion in general, because you mentioned inclusion a lot. And I read, I was on your website, on the IFC's website, and I read a report that was done by UN Women, UN uh, also Global Compact and IFC. It's called Bridging the, the Gender Gap. And I saw some of the numbers and I thought, oh my God, it's been the same numbers since I was talking about that like 10 years ago in terms of the participation of women in the labor force, which is the lowest in the world. The, the the youth unemployment, particularly for for girls and women. So so the numbers are really bad. Now, I know that when you talk about the Arab states, obviously, they're not all equal. As you said, the UAE, you're working, you lead the IFC in the UAE, and you know that I think the UAE is quite quite progressive vis-a-vis the others. So so maybe just briefly, I don't want us to keep talking about the problems, but but just briefly, why haven't we made progress on this and and then what is the IFC doing to to address that so the good news huh. that many countries are adopting or or already implemented laws and regulations and engaged in a reform process that could provide more opportunities and empowerment to women including the UAE Tunisia and and, and also you know, Saudi Arabia but are they so, initiatives sufyan are they like are they pr stunts are they just 
initiatives or I think I think they go beyond that. So in the UAE, for example, they adopted like no regulations and laws related to, to women in business and the law. So our report demonstrates that. So so the good news is that there is a lot of effort and there is momentum. Uh, and also understanding that, you know, women in the region, not only half of the society, but also uh, could be and should be the major engine for growth and development in the region. So there is a momentum around that. Now, on the other hand, this process needs to be accelerated, need to be adopted by all countries in the region, and to be translated into concrete policies that could open up the businesses and the economic opportunities for the region, but for the for the women, but also matching that with funding, with mentorship, with the skills development that they are, you know, uh, needing. You are right. You mentioned the gap. Only you know, 19% of the women work outside their home in, in, in MENA region, compared with 70% for male. And, and if we continue the same trend, I think we need 115 years to close the gender gap. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can imagine basically how, how fast we need to act, whether as development finance institutions or countries or even the private sector. Even when you talk about businesses, around only 23% of the companies or formal companies in the region are co-owned by a female you know, owner. And when you talk about majority or full ownership, they are around 4 to 5%, you know, female compared with male. So there is a lot of effort to be invested. There is a lot of policy that needs to be changed. There is a lot of funding that needs to be invested, but also more or less like, you know, skills and empowerment and so on and so forth. Even when you talk about, you know, the, the funds themselves, how many partners, for example, you have in the private equity industry, not only in MENA region globally, how many you have at the board of directors, you know. So these are really, whether the good work, the good news that I mentioned, or basically the, the challenges as well as the opportunities are shaping our intervention in the region when it comes to gender. On one hand, we are mainstreaming in our advisory services the gender issue into our all projects. So all projects we ask ourselves, and I used before this role to be the regional head of operation for Middle East and North Africa, overseeing advisory services as well as a few other issues. And I used to ask the team before we approve, as a committee, we approve any project, we have gender focus or not? And if they say no, why? Can we do it? And, and of course, we do it when it makes sense. We don't do it only just to click that there mm. is a gender focus or a climate focus. But the thinking and, and, and the approach as well as the effort is mainstreamed in our focus as, as IFC. What we are trying to do in Middle East and North Africa also, through our presence in, in the UAE as a major hub for supporting startups, is basically to take you know, this issue, the discourse, the issue around mentorship, skills development, the issue around funding, the issue around showcasing their success, but also their issues and concerns to new levels. So this is why we did, you know, She Wins Arabia. The first one, we targeted 50 uh, women-led startups from around the region and around 20 venture capital to build their capacity to focus more on investment in women-led startups. Based on this success, and we did 
the first basically initiative with ADGM in Abu Dhabi. Based on this success, we decided even to expand our focus and to increase the number to 100 women-led startups and also to build the capacity of 30 venture capital to focus more when it comes to women-led startups. That will be done or already been done the World Government Summit to increase the, phys- to increase the feasibility on these initiatives and to showcase, to provide the maximum exposure for these women-led startups to policymakers, the private sector, and so on and so forth. But again, this is not only the story. What we are also trying to do to ensure that promising startups are provided with the opportunity, we are talking about funding gaps, you know, with the capital, with the investment needed to grow their businesses. What we are trying to do to work with the venture capitals also to ensure that their investment strategy, their investment plan are targeting women-led startups in the region. Mm. And I think this topic for us here to stay, here to, to grow, and also hopefully to achieve much bigger results and outcomes. Is it an issue of supply, you think, in terms of the, the amount of women that are thinking about starting a business? Or do you think it's an issue of funding? And I'm asking because, you know, as, as an angel investor, I, I speak to a lot of startups. I've also been in the startup world for, for over a decade. And I remember, you know, when I started, we were only a few women. And, and, and even today, when I, when I speak to startup founders, I see a lot of men out there. And then... I think Wamda did a report recently that said that there is a there is a gap when it comes to female investors and we need more female investors. And then I said, is it really? I mean, or is it is it that there isn't a lot of interest when it comes to women to start businesses? Where what do you see again at, at your level? Because I'm sure you have more data than me. If you ask, and I remember we asked like you know, the hundred, we did the survey around the 100 startups that you were part of. Maybe also you participated in the survey. Um, about opportunities, different type of questions, but also challenges. One of the key issues in our region in Middle East and North Africa that entrepreneurs highlighted is the culture of shame, the shame from failure. So when you talk about startups and entrepreneurship in general, you need to try once, twice, three times, four times, 10 times till you succeed. Mm -hmm. So when you have the culture of shame, and I think it could be even more prominent when it comes to female in the region from failure, this could be like no, a major factor for, for constraining having more people entering into this space because you need to take risk in order to do that. I think uh, uh, the average age of a successful entrepreneur is 45. Yeah, I was going to say in their 40s, yeah. You know, in their 40s. (laughs) So simply, you know, those in their 40s, either they took the risk and they left their job or they've been trying so many times. You know, I would say many of them, not all of them. Yes. So they failed once, maybe 10 times. They'll, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think there is another assessment that, that on average people try five, six times and above before they put a startup in, in, in the right direction. Yeah. So this is one angle to be taken into account, how we can, through education, through skills development, encourage women, um, you know, and, and also young males as well, you know, to take more risk, to focus on self-employment, and to avoid like the social pressure or the peer pressure 
you know, from failure when it comes to startups. And then there are a few other things that related to, to the success of startups in the region. And again, I'm talking from like, you know, the experience with the 100 startups based on the survey that, that we did. And this will show which country can basically like, you know, be more successful to attract startups and even to do, you know, to develop the right ecosystem. One is access to talent. <clears throat> when you need to grow, you need to find not only affordable, but also the right, yes. you know, talent to develop your businesses. And often entrepreneurs in the region, they feel that this is a major challenge for them. Then access to market, the scale. This is why in country like Egypt, you know, you have the scale when you have successful startups, it could grow because of the market even before you go abroad. And then access to, to finance. And when we did the survey, I think the UAE came number one in terms of these three priorities, access to market, access to capital, and access to, to talent. Access to capital is a really funny one, given that, you know, we come, uh, we come from a region with the highest number of sovereign wealth funds or the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. It's been an issue since, you know, since I started and probably even before. It's, it's good to see, as you, as you highlighted, that there is an increase in the region in general. But that level, like if you want to make it at par to global levels, should be, should be a lot higher, right, given the size of the, the population here. I think definitely we need more investment, but most of the major sovereign wealth funds or major companies in the region are entering into this space. Yeah. If you talk about Mubadala, for example, if you talk about ADQ, even ADIA, <coughs> and of course the PIF is extremely active in this space, whether directly or indirectly. But I think, again, you mentioned the issue of supply, and we mentioned about the, the, the great experience you know, the opportunities, but also the challenges. So we need more startups, more ideas, more innovative solutions. Basically, we'll have more people who are entering into the self-employment, entering into the entrepreneurship space, you know, so, so you can find these opportunities. And this is why, strategically, we as IFC, we look at this issue in a quite uh, programmatic approach, that it's not only the 225 million uh, platform that that you know we launched to target you know startups or venture capital in Africa, Middle East, and Central Asia, but also through our advisory interventions in almost every country in Middle East and North Africa, excluding GCC because you know they high they are high income for us, and as well like working with incubators to build their capacity, to develop their strategy, to to train and to mentor more entrepreneurs that we could enter to, to this business. But also, we need to, to increase the profile and to showcase success and challenges. And this is why we are doing these type of initiatives, whether she wins Arabia, one, two, or the 100 promising Arab startups with the World Economic yeah. Forum. And then later we did the 100, even 120 African startups with the Africa Summit in, in Sharm el-Sheikh four years ago. So, so we look at this issue in a very strategic way, in a very programmatic way, on the understanding that this could be really a major source for mm -hmm. growth and development in the region and also empowerment to the young male and female. Yeah. I think there's there's one thing potentially, and I don't know your, your thoughts on that, Sufyan, but from, from what I've seen on the supply, 
I think because, and this is my observation, I think because capital is slightly restricted, right? We don't have a lot of capital in the region. And we we don't necessarily, like, th there are a few types of uh, startups or sectors that are receiving a lot of funding, right? Which I believe might stifle innovation in other sectors or women or men or whoever are maybe trying to innovate across these other sectors might not find the funding or the support. So you end up with a lot of the same. I mean, I think every, what, every couple of days there's an announcement about a fintech company raising money, but how often do you see an announcement about an agri-tech company raising money or someone in, in health tech? So I feel that, and I think investors are also to blame because there's, I think there's a there's a role there for somebody, maybe it's the government, maybe it's developmental agencies like IFC, to say, you know, we have the right to, to play or the right to win in these specific sectors. But today, the way I see it is that you have a lot of concentration around, I mean, if you look at the data from Magnet, I think you have the top three are fintech, e-commerce, and, and, and logistics that are getting the lion's share of funding. So I think maybe this is where IFC or others could play a role in saying, you know, we're going to invest, I don't know, 100 million in health tech or, or something just to drive innovation. So so definitely there is a lot of effort to be invested even to support, you know, or to create the, the healthy environment or to develop the ecosystem in certain countries and certain sectors. You know, investors definitely need to do, to maybe to take more risk, you know, calculated risk in, in these sectors and markets. So we as IFC, so both in terms of the region, basically we are trying to focus on the whole ecosystem and even, you know, targeting the refugee communities. There is an angle related to refugee in, in the region. When you talk about Iraq, Lebanon and Jordan, they are hosting quite a significant or large number of refugee. Those could be like, you no know, a source of like, you no know, capital, like a human capital that could be supported. So one of, you know, the good projects that we did as IFC is to work with incubators and accelerators, like-minded partners, to support refugee and hosted communities to develop startups in, in Jordan and, and, and Lebanon. So definitely, uh, having said that, definitely we need to invest more more effort and to deploy more capital to difficult markets and, and, and difficult you know, sectors. One last question. What would be a personal win for you or, or even for the IFC in the region? So what would you like to see in the next five years or so that, you would, that would make you happy and you would say, we, we did it? This region, you know, through UAE, GCC, um, have been playing an instrumental role when it comes to global development agenda through you know, their investment around the world, including Middle East and North Africa. And as I mentioned, basically around key development priorities like climate or, or food security. And also our effort when it comes to the rest of the region in terms of investing in the private sector and trying to unlock more opportunities in that. I think what makes me would be happy if we continue this trend and we see even more alignment when it comes to climate agenda, when it comes to global even development agenda like food you know, security. But also I think when we see more successful stories related to young male and female developing their businesses and achieving their outcomes, 
I'm a young man. <laughs> I consider my, myself still young, coming from the region. So I know and I, I lived basically like the, the life of young people in the region. So I know the potential, I know the opportunities, and I know what young people in the region can do as an engine for growth and development in this part of the world. Let's hope so. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning into this conversation with Sufyan Alaisa. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about Sufyan's work at the IFC, you can visit ifc.org. Don't forget to visit conversationswithlulu.com to check out all the other episodes. If you're enjoying the show, also please give us a rating and a review. It would help us in getting the show discovered. Make sure you also subscribe on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's been a great year. I've had some really amazing guests. It's time to take a short break and enjoy the holidays. I wish you all happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. And I hope you enjoy the time with the family. And I'm going to see you with fresh new episodes in the new year. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.